Welcome to this week's episode of the Baseball Together Podcast. Today we have the Pirates calling up another catcher, weekend sweeps, and the Phillies Mount Rushmore right now. Nine Plus Us presents the Baseball Together Podcast with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Kansas City Little Big Briggy Blue Eyes. And now, Baseball Together. Welcome, baseball family, to this week's episode of the Baseball Together podcast. I am Brad. I will be driving this ship, and co-driving this ship will be our co-captain, Brig. How are you today, Brig? Uncomfortable. How are you, Brad? (laughs) A little uncomfortable. (laughs) A lot of captaining and driving, but anyway... um, (laughs) I don't, I don't know if that was all subconscious because we're leading with the Pirates this week or what. But anyway, um, let's get in and talk about the Pirates, Brig. Shall okay, we? Okay, I love talking about Pirates. Me too. What about these Pirates? So the, Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Pirates have called up their number one overall draft pick from the 2021 draft. Um, that's pretty quick. Two Super years is quick. all. One full year in the minors is all he got. His mm-hmm. name is Henry Davis. He's primarily a catcher. Uh, he was drafted out of Louisville. Um, that's where he played his college ball. He's 23 years old and he jumped three levels now this season alone. He started the year in double A and then he went and played. He was in triple A for just 13 days before they called him up. Which I don't know if they like organizationally they're like, we need to put him in triple A just as a formality, you know. But like a lot of guys make the jump from double A to the big leagues, especially yeah, your like happened. top guys. So I don't know if, like I said, it was a formality. They were just kind of waiting to see how he did against veteran pitching, whatever. Anyway, but 13 games in right field this year as well, which is where he's actually starting tonight. And, Brig, the Pirates are underway against the Cubs. And so far, he is the only guy on the team to get a hit. You're kidding me. So he got his big league, his first big league hit out of the way and is the only Pirate to record a hit so far tonight. As of this recording. Wow. That's yeah, awesome. so he could be a legit pickle. We don't know. We'll see. Um, it's awfully early, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awfully early. <laughs> Very small yeah. sample size. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think it's, I don't know. Jason Hayward also hit a home run on his first at bat. So we don't know. Anyway. He sure did. But the Pirates are going to be keeping three catchers on their roster instead of optioning one of them, or DFAing somebody. Instead, they optioned infielder Mark Mathias to AAA, and then they DFA'd pitcher Elijah Villalobos. So a couple of moves there yeah. to bring uh, old Henry Davis onto the roster. But my question to you, Brig, is like, is, since he started this year in AA and then spent a minimal amount of time in AAA, like, do you think he's ready? Or like, is this a little early? Could this kind of stunt his development? going to the big leagues too early or is or do you think he'll be fine nobody knows i yeah. I, I don't know I, if i were to speculate <laughs> I, <laughs> my my meaningless prediction would be that you know he's hit i'm just looking him up right now he's hit at double a he had uh 187 plate appearances in double a and is responsible for 25 runs off 42 hits in AAA, 10 games. That's what baseball mm-hmm. reference has, 10 games. 45 plate appearances, four runs off 10 hits. So it's a pretty consistent ratio right. without doing the math that I don't want to do. The it's eyeballing a pretty consistent ratio. Consistent, yeah, yeah, it does. So, you know, we'll see. Um like we talk about all the time, AAA pitching is pretty good most of the time. Right. Yeah. And if you can hit AAA pitching, you, there's, I mean, there is a difference, but yeah, it's indicative of what you can do at the big league level. And he's already got a hit tonight. A so. lot, a lot of times. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I think, honestly, I think if we had talked about the Pirates five years ago and they made this movie, it'd be like, uh oh, they ruined him. They're going to ruin him. But yeah. at this point, where things are going the way that they are, I don't think they would have made this move if they didn't think he could contribute to this team. Right? And like, and if he's their sort of up and coming guy, mm-hmm. you gotta and he can play behind the plate and out in the right field. You gotta wonder if they're not thinking, okay, no matter what happens this year, 
He's going to be one of our core guys moving forward. Let's let him feel all this juice and learn from these veterans and understand what it takes to stick at this level, you know, so that he can mm-hmm. maybe carry some of this mojo next year and the year after and the year after and whatever that turns into for them. Right. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Absolutely. And I want, I wonder if some of it is like, get him in with Andrew McCutcheon, who I don't know if he'll be back next year, but I assume that once he retires, like I would think he would main like maintain some kind of position with the pirates because he seems to love it there. Right. Yeah. And so, but at the same time though, like I would want to get my top prospects in with Andrew McCutcheon in the clubhouse with him and being like, pick his brain as much as you can, because this guy's got to figure it out. Well, I just think that's what they did with Jeter. And was it 95, right? He sat the bench and mm-hmm. they called him up and he didn't do anything but man right. he learned he's, a ton. he's in the background of he's in the background of Alex Rodriguez highlights in the, in 95 <laughs> it's the thing exactly. but he's sitting in the dugout that's the thing that's funny exactly. about exactly yeah exactly so yeah. i don't i don't know the fact that they're starting him is pretty great mm-hmm. yeah yep yeah good for him i'm excited for him i'm excited for the pirates this year they're like we talked about it in the offseason they've got too many good players to be bad and i'm glad that they're finally good it's a lot of fun and it's very exciting I agree. All right, let's go on and talk about uh, something. I, I've decided this is something I like talking about is weekend sweeps because it's in, it's always interesting to me to see teams that gets that get swept over the yeah. weekend or even just in like a week series. Um, mm-hmm. There were some that we expected, right? Like the Braves over the Rockies. Um, kind of expected the Marlins over the Nats. Yeah, like, I would say so. One thing, one thing with me is that I always say it's it's hard to it's hard to sweep somebody. It's hard to beat somebody three days in a row, right? Like you take the first two in a series, and that Sunday Sunday afternoon game, it's kind of weird because like anything can happen on Sunday afternoon. Everybody's yeah. up and the bats are awake and everything. But the Marlins went ahead and did it. They swept the Nats. They're now ten games over five hundred for the first time since two thousand eleven, <laughs> and they're about to go. They're yeah. looking like they're going to go eleven games over five hundred by beating the Blue Jays tonight. So right, keep your eye on the Marlins. Um, we, kind of, I think we mostly like kind of expected the Phillies to sweep the A's, <laughs> despite I mean speculating about the rage fueled heater, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I wasn't convinced that they were going to sweep Philly, or that Philly was going to sweep Oakland. I wasn't convinced. I thought that maybe there was a chance that this rage field, rage fueled whatever. Uh, sort of tear they've been on where they're uh, sticking it to everybody they can would come through and the Phillies have been struggling a little bit so I wasn't convinced right. but I was glad to see it yeah yeah I agree with you like I said two out of three I think makes sense most of the time with these getting three is tough but they they went ahead and they got three the yeah. biggest surprises to me though like I was not expecting the Red Sox to sweep the Yankees nope bro nope was not and two games on Sunday and because I think that helped. I think that helped the Red Sox, honestly. I maybe. think it did the doubleheader because it was a, it was in Boston, yeah. right? It was in Boston. And it was a day yeah, night doubleheader. Saturday I think got day night doubleheader on Sunday helps the home team, and I think yeah. that I think that helped the Red Sox there. Also, the Yankees don't have Judge. That certainly doesn't help, bro. They're like nine and well, I don't know thirteen or fifteen or something without Aaron Judge. It's it's banana pancakes is what it is. I don't, he, you know, he should only be responsible for a certain percentage of that team. But right now it's feeling like, right now it's feeling like 55, 60%. That's the thing is the dude gets the plate four times a game. How much of an impact does he have? (laughs) Well, and it, it, I don't know, man, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. And Stanton can't hit the ball to save his life. Um, Donaldson can't hit the ball to save his life. Rizzo still gets hit by pitches, so he's got that going for him, but that's about it. And uh, all these guys are trying to pull their weight. And you know who's you know who DJ LeMahieu boggles my mind right now. Everybody thinks he's hurt. That's how disgusting his plate appearances look. Is like, is that's... something actually wrong? So that that's what happened to JP Crawford last year for the Mariners that like he stunk for like the last two months of the season. And everyone's like, Oh, Trey JP, he's washed. I was like, No, I'm pretty sure he's hurt. Something's and then it came wrong. out at the very beginning of this year that he came back from a back injury early and he was playing those last couple months hurt. And it's like, Yeah, there you go. So he might be. 
Well, everybody and he and everybody else is insisting that he's not hurt. The other thing is that you know who the most consistent guy on the field right now is? It's IKF. <laughs> Isaiah Kiner Falefa. Wasn't he public enemy number two last year, only behind Aaron Hicks? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Higgy was the probably the third, depending on which part of the season you were talking about him. <laughs> but now, now see, IKF is he's platooning in the infield, he's platooning in the outfield. I mean, he get he hits the ball. He's not a power guy, but he's not expected to be. He can hit for power every once in a while, but that's not his primary modus operandi. This guy is a revelation, and the fact that he's willing to give up his shortstop position to a rookie that is coming along, by the way. There's still some struggles, but he's coming right. along. And they, they believed in IKF enough and have been moving him around with reckless abandon, and he's performing. Ugh, bro. He's my favorite storyline of the whole season right now. And and Judge and everybody else's failures have just made his uh, highlight reel look even better. <laughs> it's crazy. It, it's so funny to watch guys year from year like that. Yeah. Um, but also, him. other sweeps we had, though, I think the most shocking of the weekend was... Actually, there were two that were really surprising. The Reds over the Astros. We'll get to the Reds a little bit more here in a minute. But the Reds <laughs> swept the Astros. I was like, like we both we both picked the Reds. Right, you picked them Friday. I picked them Saturday. I we think were like, so. yeah, we were like, they're gonna, they're gonna, and I was thinking like they're gonna take at least two from the Astros. I was not expecting a sweep, a much less a blowout in one of those games. Insane. Yeah. The Reds are the hottest team in baseball right now. Have won eight in a row. Good for Bro. them. Good. For yeah, them. you. I I, I picked them on Friday, and you picked them on Saturday. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and Ellie De La Cruz did steal a base on Saturday. He yeah, didn't on Friday because he, he didn't did. play. But he, he did, did steal a base on Saturday, so <laughs> cha-ching, cashed in on that, by the way. Oh, my gosh. That was very so exciting. Good. <laughs> and then the most shocking of the weekend was the Giants over the Dodgers. Holy cow. The Giants moved uh, I mean, above the Dodgers in the standings for the first time. Oh, sorry. This is the first time they've swept the Dodgers. <laughs> the first time they swept the Dodgers in a decade. That's insane. Bro, it's so funny. It's you know what's funny. This is I hate it for the Dodgers fans, but I love it for us because we have been calling for a dismantling of that team yes. for at least a year, yeah. and here we get proven right. And I just want to do that. I told you so, dance <laughs> so hard. And some guys are still killing it. Like Freddie is still killing it, and it, you know, and that's great. Mm -hmm. But um, that's <laughs> otherwise they're having a hard time being consistent. Right. Oh, and Mookie bets this weekend. He's like, if I'm in the All Star game, I'll play. I'll do the home run derby. And so it's kind of he's yeah. gonna be there, right? Name recognition yeah. above anything else, despite because he's still having a pretty good year. Not so bad. He'll not be there, great, but not bad. Right. Not great by his standards, I think. Um, not great but... by mine. He's on my fantasy team, and I consider oh, yeah, dumping <laughs> about every week. <laughs> Joey Gallo earns me more points than freaking Mookie Betts does. Well, yeah, there you go. Yeah. But, no, the Dodgers are baffling, absolutely baffling. They should be way better than they are. And this is the thing, too, that's funny about the Dodgers. I think we talked a little bit about this before, is that they're kind of, like, integrating their young and up-and-coming, like, prospects into this team. Like, they have Miguel Vargos and um, what's his name? Uh, Outman. Um, I can't remember his first name right now. But, anyway, those two guys are supposed to be really good. Like, Outman could potentially – I don't know that he'll outdo Corbin Carroll, but he'll compete for sure for rookie of the year mm -hmm. with Corbin Carroll. Yeah. So they have two, they have two pretty good rookies there. And then they're kind of they got some more guys that they can kind of start to work in from their farm system. It's like you could get more if you traded off your old guys. Yeah. Because it's clearly not working right now. It's not. And the rest of the league needs them. That's the other thing, too, is those guys are going to find homes other places if the Dodgers mm -hmm. will just let them go. And then that could really shake things up hard. The Dodgers could be like the spoilers of the league by sending off their stars. Totally. I don't know. That, I don't honestly, I don't think they will this year because I no. think they're just going to be like, we have these guys. We're always going to be in it. But you reach a point where it's just going to be like, it's not working anymore, fellas. If they, they break up that, the band. Oh man, if they broke up the band 
and they started farming guys out at the deadline, uh, it would be pandemonium. Could you imagine a fire sale from LA? Oh my god, that's what I'm saying. Exciting. Yeah, that'd be the most exciting trade deadline. It like, would be. And if San Diego did the same thing, can you imagine if independently <laughs> San Diego and LA start shopping all their talent? Oh my god. How did you handle it? It would I'd lose it, my mind. Everybody's farm system would explode because they would be shipping them all to the West Coast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'd be like, give me Juan Soto. Give me, you know, I don't care who it is. Give I want them. That would be that would be bananas. That would be that would be the best trade deadline we've seen in a long time. I agreed. (laughs) I agree. Because what usually at the trade deadline we get these onesie twosies, uh, you know, these all-star dudes. Well, last year we were all handcuffed by the Soto deal for so long. Exactly. Like we waited for like three weeks for the Soto deal, and then it goes down finally. It's like, oh, there's a hitch. Now there's this, and then finally, like the rest of the dominoes fell. But if this start if this stuff starts happening in like the beginning of July or around the trade or around the all-star game. Like yep. then things would really start to line up and fall in place, and that would be amazing. Well, the Aaron Judge one and the and the uh, Mike Trout one a few years ago, like mm-hmm. it's always this big one headliner name, and I I want to see eight or ten. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do. <laughs> yeah, it'd be good for it'd be good for baseball, though. Honestly, it would be. That's right. Yeah, it'd be good for baseball. Anyway, let's okay. move on. All right. Let's talk about the Reds again. Uh, they activated Joey Votto from the IL. He's he hasn't mm-hmm. played yet this season. Um, and I don't even remember what his injury was at this point. I think it was a the hip aliens. or an oblique. No, it was aliens. Aliens. That's right. Yes, yeah. aliens. Yeah. So they DFA'd pitcher Kevin Hergett and also placed pitcher Hunter Green on the fifteen I, fifteen day IL with uh, yeah. hip pain. That's a that's this is the thing about Hunter Green is the dude's record. Does it doesn't look good? But I don't care about pitchers' records. Hunter Green is a great pitcher. He is He's really, good. really good. He's a solid pitcher for sure. He really is, and they're going to miss him. I hope he gets for the sake for the Reds' sake. I hope he comes back at the fifteen or maybe twenty days because they're going to need him around if they're going to keep playing this well um, consistently for that long. Um, but as far as Joey Votto goes, I, I Brig, I'm like on the tip of my tongue this close to calling him Joey Gallo because we haven't talked about Joey Votto in so long. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Joey Votto <laughs> hit 167 with two home runs and five RBIs in 11 games with the AAA Louisville Bats. Um, not good, but I think they're going to be forgiving for Votto because he's old guy and also a staple in Cincinnati. Uh, excuse me, has been a staple, not has, is a staple. Has been right. Has not been this year, yeah. <laughs> right? And maybe has been is the plaque that he brings to the clubhouse. <laughs> right. Yeah. Above his locker. Honestly, <laughs> with, with, with his chest set. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And a maple leaf. <laughs> yeah. I Honestly, I, I don't know what he's going to do to this team um, coming in here. I don't know if he's going to help or hurt or be neutral. Like, what do you think, Frank? Do you think... I, is he I, just going to kind of be the Oracle? Like, bro, they have found the Oracle. That's the problem. So why <laughs> would you risk any, any movement at this point? I wouldn't risk anything. And I don't care that it's, uh, it's this guy, Joey Votto. I, I don't care. I want e- either bring him into the clubhouse and watch him closely so that he doesn't poison the water hole or don't bring him up at all. I, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I like so everything they got going on. I think I think Joey Votto is a good clubhouse guy. I think he's part of the reason that a few years ago we were able to, we were able to say the Reds have never made losing look so much fun. That's true. I because he's he's lighthearted. He's got a really good sense of humor. Dude is freaking hilarious. I'm yeah. sure if they just said, you know what, things are really working right now. We don't super need your bat in the lineup. Can you be re- available to pinch hit? Maybe we'll DH you twice a week just so you can get some reps. Yeah. But we want you to like pinch hit if we need well and come in and come in and teach these guys right like just be a behind the scenes kind of like a backup catcher right and just hang out and mentor because if he's batting 167 in triple a that that has got to be their reasoning is mentoring 
Right. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and also, I feel like another thing is respect because he's gone sure. and stuck it through some terrible years in Cincinnati. Absolutely terrible Fact. years in Cincinnati. And so they cannot bring him back now from an injury when they're winning and be like, sorry, Joey, don't need you. Thanks for the memories. Right. Like, I know they can't. So they should, but they can't. It would be yeah, so disrespectful if they traded him off. They've got to bring him in and just like find a spot for him, like reserve him a spot on the bench or something, just so he can ride this out and like get into the playoffs and make a yeah, run. Yeah, because yeah. I think the Reds could do it. They could if things go you the know? way they're going now. Yeah, but... things continue <laughs> at this rate. Because because it's been almost a decade since the Reds have won this many games in a row. In 2012, they won 10 in a row. That's the last time that they've gotten this close to this. <laughs> crazy. So it needs Absolutely to stay crazy. right where it is. And if they can take it to the Astros of all teams, uh, and I know they've been shaky this year, but still, that's, you know, that's a, I feel like we should give them more credit for that. And a sweep. Right. That Yes, I absolutely agree with you. Like, and I and I've and we've been saying this is that like, yes, the Astros have been down this year, but they're still the defending World Series champs. So you have to give them some level of respect because yeah. a lot of those guys on that team still, despite the struggles, they're still a tough team to beat. For them to beat them three in a row over the weekend, it's a big deal. Yeah, I agree. So I, it'll be interesting though the role that they put Joey Votto in when he comes back. Keep an eye on it. Okay, speaking of guys coming back from the IL, Pete Alonzo is back from the IL well ahead of schedule. He got hit by a pitch and and got a wrist sprain and a bone bruise and lots and lots of pain, and I would be out for the year if it was me. Um, (laughs) That was on June 9th. He's coming back. They thought he was going to miss three or four weeks, and he missed just eight games. Um, Is this too soon, or is it like, yeah, if you're – can swing the bat like come back because we need you that's what it is it's a desperation move but i i'm worried that it's too soon he's going to re-aggravate that that wrist or he's not going to be effective yeah it's it could be either way or he really is good to go and he's going to come back and and swing the bat the way we need that the mets need him to i'm not gonna say we but the mets need him to swing the bat and and to I need him to. He's on my fantasy squad. Team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, baseball dubs. needs him to. Baseball, <laughs> right? Needs him. He is he's a principal selling point in the larger economics of the game and the personalities, and that's just a fact. So I, I'm sad that he's out at all, and I'll be really disappointed if he comes back and struggles, because then I will have to blame the club, which I'm already blaming them for about everything right now. So. Right. That's going to be yeah. a problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's another guy to keep an eye on uh, for a different reason. Just because I've, we see guys come back all the time just because they're like, I'm re- I got to play. I'm ready to play. You don't, nobody wants to get Wally pipped. Right. So you, right. Get, you come back as soon as you can. And sometimes that's too early. And that risk could be a real problem the rest of the year if it's too early. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right, former Cardinals third baseman David Freeze declined declined induction into the team's Hall of Fame this weekend with um, some Twitter statements and stuff like that. But this is is one thing he specifically said. He said, this is something that I have given an extra amount of thought to humbly, even before the voting process began. I am aware of the impact I had helping this team bring bring great memories to the city I grew up in including the 11th championship, but this honor means more to me. Um, and then the team, the team president, Bill DeWitt, the food, responded and said, <laughs> although we are disappointed that David has declined to be inducted into our Hall of Fame, we respect his decision and look forward to celebrating his great Cardinal career in other ways. This is really interesting, I think. Um, yeah. Because some people are saying this is a slap in the face of the team. Others, that it's self-awareness and showing respect to the guys who are already there. Brig, where do you fall on this? Oh, spectrum? bro, bro, I, uh, I'm gonna look up. I'm gonna look up who else is in that St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame really quick because I right. think that's gonna be a relevant data point. I think um, it will too. So while you do that, real quick, I think that something yeah. 
that went into their decision to include him is the fact that, like he said, he grew up in St. Louis. To me, that was like, okay, I feel like the team wants to do a guy solid who like this was his team growing up. He understands the history. He has a real appreciation for this team. And he was on the latest championship team, right? Sure. To me, it feels like they wanted to do him a solid. But I think you're going to make a point that I would also make here in just a minute. Do you have it pulled up? I got it pulled up. So I'm going to start. <clears throat> he started electing, it looks like in 2014 was when they began electing people to their, just the club-specific Hall mm-hmm. of Fame. Um, and the, a number of these players are also in the Cooperstown Hall of Fame. But right. it starts with Jim Bottomley, Ken Boyer, um, Sam Breeden, Harry Brechin, I don't know, Lou Brock, great, J- Jack Buck, Gussie Bosch, uh, Jack Buck as the broadcaster, by the way, for right. those of you that don't know, Chris Carpenter, Vince Coleman, Charles Comiskey, interesting, Mort Cooper, Dizzy Dean, <laughs> I always love Dizzy Dean's name, Jim Edmonds, there you go, Kurt Flood, Bob Forsh, Frankie Fur- Frisch, Bob Gibson, Chick Haffey, Jesse Haynes, Keith Hernandez, Tom Herr, Whitey Herzog. There's a name for you. Uh, Matt Holiday. Really? So that's Sean Plate. <laughs> Rogers Hornsby, Super Duh. Jason, that's a name I'm not going to pronounce. It starts with an <laughs> I. I'm going to give it a shot. Jason, it's either Isringhausen or Iringhausen if the S is at Isringhausen. Place. Yeah, Isringhausen. Isringhausen. There you go. Thanks, buddy. Uh, Julian Javier, George Cassell, Max Lanier. This list goes on and on. I'm not going to read them all. Stan Musial, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, Mark McGuire. Yeah. Uh, okay. Stan so, Musial. There's Stan the Man. Branch Ricky. Okay. Yeah. So think about a lot of the names on that list. And for them to put a Ozzie guy like Smith. David Freeze on there. Yeah. I can see why he's like, no. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. I am not one of them, right? To me, that's what it feels like. So here's an interesting thing I just noticed. Yeah, so first of all, yes, I agree with you. I think it's a I'm not worthy situation. I Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Uh, But this this is also interesting. There are different selection committees for the Cardinals Hall of Fame. Hmm. There was the inaugural uh, selection committee in 2014, there's a team selection committee. I don't know what red ribbon means, but apparently it's its own selection committee. And then there is a fan selection committee. Hmm. So guys are in the Hall of Fame for the St. Louis Cardinals, specifically based on fan votes, including Joe Torrey, John Tudor, Ted Simmons, uh, Scott Rowland, uh, Mark McGuire, Willie McGee, Tim McCarver, Ray Lankford. I feel like some of those There's... still make sense, though. You know, yeah, yeah. Whitey Herzog. Yeah. Nope. Sorry, he was inaugural. Okay. Keith Hernandez. There's one. Anyway, that's really interesting. Yeah, I did not. I did not know that. But no, I, I respect his decision honestly when it comes down to it. Um to kind of, have, like I said, have some self-awareness to respect the guys around him. Just like, I'm not on that level. And I think it's cool because I, I don't think there are a lot. I think most guys have a, at, at the very least, just enough of an ego to be like, I played in the bigs. Yeah. I belong with those guys. Yeah. Right? I think that's true. I think that's true. And I'm not saying everybody, um, I'm saying a lot of guys, especially if yeah, they played yeah. to the point where they were, where they're being honored to this level. But, but let's look at David Freeze for a minute more closely. He spent his entire 11-year career with the same club. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not true. It looks like there's... Oh, no, he I'm played sorry, somewhere else. There were five years. It was five years in St. Louis. So that's a short sample size. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that time, he's a one-time All-Star, 2011 World Series, World Series MVP, NLCS MVP, and his career war sits at 18.7. Career batting average twenty seven, or two seventy seven rather. So yeah, I think you're right. I think that he's aware 
that he doesn't fit the same caliber. I'm going to have to agree with that now that I have all the data points. Cool. I can appreciate that. Yeah. Anyway, so baseball family, what do you think? Are we are yeah, we let us know. face here? Yeah, do you think it's a lot in the face and disrespectful or anyway? Yeah. Let us know. Jump in the mailbag. Okay, we have a couple more things here. First, let's talk about the London series coming up this weekend. Yeah, baby. So Major League Baseball is gonna be moving the fences back for the London series. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty funny. But <laughs> that brings me so much joy. <laughs> I know. Well, so so they said they said it's because uh, the seating at London Stadium has been re- yeah. reconfigured. It's uh-huh. not because of what happened, the incident of 2019. <laughs> the incident right? of 2019. <laughs> but the, but the moon landing. <laughs> <laughs> They're not moving it back very far, though. The UK. <laughs> They're not moving it back very far, though. So center field is going to be 392 yeah. instead of 385. It'll still have a 16-foot wall, which helps, but how much, yeah. really? Let's be honest. The alleys, yeah. left center, right center, are increasing to 387 from 382. Foul territory is going to be reduced, so there won't be... it. it so <laughs> it'll look smaller is the thing that's kind of funny because the dugouts yeah. are going to be repositioned. But I think it's funny that they're... Yeah, they're moving the fences back just a little bit, but they're losing some foul territory, so the field won't look quite so enormous. Because I thought it was looking, I thought last time it looked like it was bigger than Candlestick, which totally. is huge. And same it thing with Oakland, enormous. Yeah. yeah, so that'll help visually a little bit. Um, and then down the lines are still going to be three thirty, which mm-hmm. is deeper than Fenway. But what do you do? Um, but this is one thing that I thought was interesting: is that there no big league stadium is shorter than four hundred to straightaway center i think the shortest is like 400 or 401 you might get a 399 somewhere but they're all like at or deeper than 400 yeah so three 392 is often i don't want to say routine fly ball but you pretty easily chased down by most center fielders at 392 yeah. you can out. do that yeah i Instead, agree it's going to be a double <laughs> So, uh, let's see the shortest Fenway's 390 to straightaway. Center is field. it really? Well, because they have that 420 corner, is what and I that, always think of when I that think of weird, yeah, yeah, that weird triangle. Uh, um, the there's a yeah, the Angels, uh, 396 to straightaway center, really? 395 at Chavez Ravine where the Dodgers play. Wow, 399 at. At uh, in Pittsburgh, three ninety six at Petco in San Diego, three ninety one at Oracle Park in San Francisco, three ninety. Wow! But so they have a they have a big wall in center though. They do. I'm just saying center. But that's crazy. I didn't realize I because I yeah. I had always just assumed like looking at them that they're always four hundred at least, Mm-mm. or thereabouts. So let's see. The longest looks uh, Comerica and Detroit has a four twenty. Straightaway yeah, center. That's, that's the deep. longest. That's super that's deep. incredibly deep. <laughs> I remember. So our high school field, because most high school fields don't don't touch 400 to straightaway center. They'll no. be like five. I think was the deepest one we saw outside of our home varsity field, which was 400. And oh. I remember, I remember we saw two guys hit ropes out to center, and we we're just like that'd be gone at any other park, at any other field that's gone. But that's a, tr- a triple here because no center fielder is chasing that down. I don't care who, how fast you are in high school. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. But I know I remember seeing 400 there and expect that's like a mile. Might as well be. Yeah. It's so far. But even with moving these fences back though, Brick, do you think it's going to be another slug fest? Like, is it just going to be another launch pad? No, I don't think so. And I think it's because of the teams they're going. I, I <laughs> Most likely. It, <laughs> I don't think it has anything to do with the dimensions. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. It's not so much the field as it, as it is the offenses that are playing there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I agree. They, we could, we could end up with know. we could end up with legitimate football scores over there and they'd be like, "Oh, okay, 2 to 1." Yeah, that's yeah. we can digest that. <laughs> yeah. The Cubs and the Cardinals for those of you who don't know are going to London to play the two-game London series this weekend. Uh so Nothing against Cubs and Cardinals fans, but you know what you have. Uh, Let's be honest. Yeah, so. it's okay. It's all right. <laughs> you don't have the 2019 Red Sox and Yankees going. So, oh man. 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's it's not going to be a slugfest again. No, but it's going to anyway. be fun to watch, though. For it sure. will be. It's always fun to watch. For yeah. Sure. Yeah, it's I'll be great. tuning in for sure. Yeah, and especially since it's early, early in the day. It's like yeah. 10 a.m. Eastern or something. Well, yeah, so 10, 10 on Saturday. Uh, no, yeah. sorry. Uh, that's it's going to be like 1 or something like that on Saturday, Eastern, and then... Sunday. Yeah, and then 10 o'clock Eastern yeah. on Sunday because I was like, I'll be up for that on Sunday. Yeah, for sure. Wake up in baseball. Can't be that. So, yeah, exactly. All right, let's go talk about the Braves for a minute. Okay. The Braves have been doing a lot of things right lately, but they did not do this right. This was bad form. Uh, infielder Charlie Culbertson was supposed to catch the first pitch from his dad on Father's Day. But they designated him for assignment just a few hours before the game. And now I did see somebody say, like, well, at least the Culbersons are local to Atlanta, so it's not like the parents flew in from, like, Colorado, you know, or Texas. So they're just, like, driving down the street. But still, not. not I don't feel like that lessens the blow at all. Because that's... Feel the room a little bit. I understand, like it's business, but at the same time, though, like there are optics. Yeah, there are optics, and you do have to consider those. And this is a bad taste in my mouth. I'm not happy about this. Yeah, I wonder how Braves fans are feeling. They probably, I mean, most of them probably don't care. Um, Culberson's not like outperforming anybody. That's why they DFA'd him. So right, it's it's not. I don't think anybody's going to outrightly care, but like Braves fans, are you, is, is this sitting sour in your mouth too? Like, are we crazy? Cause we're not as emotionally involved with the organizations winning. What, what's going on here? Yeah. So a little more details on us. He was brought up from triple A Gwinnett on May 19th, but hasn't played in any game since he got called up. Um, he made his big league debut in 2012, so it's not like this is like his debut or anything like that. But he just hasn't no. played, and they were just kind of like, eh, you know, hasn't played at all. It's we got to get rid of him. Um, but what it was is it was a move to bring up Chadwick catcher Trad, Chadwick Tromp mm-hmm. uh, from Gwinnett. Um, John Murphy has been injured; he has a hamstring injury. But at the same time, though, like, mm-hmm. and that was from and that was Saturday, so I, I guess maybe it was a little more urgent. Because you got to have two catchers on that roster, but Sean Murphy yeah. is not on, not going on the injured list, and that's why they ended up having a DFA. Culver got it, you know. So yeah, but yeah. I don't know. It's yeah, it, it's touchy, right? Super touchy. Yeah, I think so. So I don't know. Anyway, well, right. let's do. Uh, let's go on to do a fantasy update, and then we'll talk about one more thing before we go. Okay, week eleven matchups. Let's start from the bottom of the list like we usually do. Devastation Incorporated, that is Mike, our listener participant, going up against Harrisburg Charlies, that is John. Mike won this one. Devastation Incorporated won 558 to 373. His top performer was Matt Olson with 89 points. Uh, Harrisburg Charlies, their top performer was Kyle Tucker with 50 points. And then going on up to the next one, we have Big League Chupacabra. That is Jewel, the co- my co-host with the Seattle Baseball Taylor Podcast. Going up against Jason, not another fantasy team. He is a co-host of the Philly Baseball Taylor Podcast. Jewel won this one 629 to 452. Whoa. Yeah. Again, Jewel's top performer is Lamont Wade Jr. with 74 points. Nathaniel Lowe was Jason's with 73. Brig, you ended up losing this week to Burns Turner Overdrive. That's Tori Brig, for those of you who don't know, has the best name in the league with Brigger Mortis. Ah, uh, thank you. Um, I don't think that's true, but I appreciate it. <laughs> I love that name. I love it. And I've thought of my team name for next year. I'm going to hold that one in my pocket until we get there. Uh, but yeah, I already have my nice. team name for next year. Um, so Burns Turner Overdrive won that one. Tori won that one. 554 to 458. He had Christian Walker as his top performer with 101 points. Brig, your top performer was Ty France. He's been playing well lately, by the way. For sure. I'm sure you've noticed. It wasn't Mookie Um, Betts. No, he wasn't even in your top three. I know. And Ryan, you had Will Smith. Had Will Smith and Jonah Heim rounding out your top three. 
Jonah Heim, yeah, legit awesome. Jonah Heim's awesome. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle's been hurt. That's been killing me. Oh yeah, that sucks. And then the last matchup, that's me, Julio. Think you are against Denise, uh, the host of our Chicago, North Chicago Baseball Together podcast. She is Grace under fire. She won five fifty eight to four thirty five. Her top performer was actually not Frederick Freeman this week. He was number three. Her top performer was Ozzy Albies with 68 points. And my top performer was JT Realmuto, who was the top performer in the league this week after hitting for the cycle with 111 points. Whoa. Everybody just fell right off a cliff after that because I got smoked. (laughs) But. Uh, I fell to four to seven, four and seven this week. Denise is seven and four. Brig, you are also four and seven, as is Tori. Jewel is leading the league at nine and two. And Jason is seven and four. Mike is eight and three. And John is in the basement at one and ten. How about this? If I lose two more in a row, I'm changing my team name from Julio Think You Are to next year's Ooh, team name. Really? If I lose three in a row, I gotta I gotta dump the team name. I've decided. Dang. So Okay. I'm gonna do it. Well, before we get out of here, let's tell you about Versus Game. Baseball family, yes. we are always asking what you think about the topics we bring up on the show. We've done it a couple times today already. Now there's a quick and easy way for you to share your thoughts with us. We've partnered with Versus Game to bring you games where you can actually make money from participating in polls and trivia for funsies. That's right. If you're on the winning side of a poll or get a trivia question right, you can win actual real Dalla Dalla Bills money. Big facts. You can play Big for old fatty fat facts. You can play for free or buy ticket bundles to play against other listeners and versus game users. So head over to btpod.onverses.com on your mobile browser because that's the way it's set up best and sign up to play polls and trivia games. That's btpod.onverses.com to sign up and play versus game with us. You'll love it. And it's awesome. That, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to get in and talk about the Philadelphia Phillies Mount Rushmore. Welcome, baseball family. We're really excited to get into this uh, Phillies Mount Rushmore conversation. We really like doing these. We want you to weigh in, by the way. We usually tell you that at the end. But at this point, you need to be aware that if we get this wrong, we expect to hear about it in the comments on YouTube. Okay. <laughs> So and also in the mailbag link in the description. That's right, mailbag and link in the description. You're good at this, Brad. Okay, <laughs> baseball family. The Philadelphia Phillies have been around since forever. They literally started as a franchise in 1883. So trying to put their Mount Rushmore together is not as easy as you might think. All right. So go with us on that. They still play baseball in Philadelphia under a, the same name. That's 141 seasons total for those of you that do actuaries at home. The 141 total seasons playing Major League Baseball. They have a winning record. That's not true. They're sitting below 500, actually. They've won (laughs) uh, a million games and they lost a million in one game. Let's go with that. They're sitting at a 473 win percentage. They have had... In 141 years, 15 playoff appearances, they have won eight pennants and two, count them, two world championships. That first one was in 1980. Yeah, they have also gone under the name the Philadelphia Quakers and the Philadelphia Phillies. Brad, tell us where the name comes from. Well, so I I actually want to... So sometimes I like feel kind of like silly being a Mariners fan just because... It's just like every year, you know, just mired in losing 20-year playoff drought, right? Yeah, and yeah, didn't yeah. make the playoffs till 95, and only even then, only like a couple times. Um, I kind of like all of a sudden feel, after learning all this stuff about the Phillies today, I feel <laughs> a little bit more like a kindred spirit with Phillies fans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe that's why Jason and I get along so well. It's just like a spiritual connection there. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway. Oh, that's awesome. I don't mean that maliciously or anything. It's just like, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> right? You it's do. Yeah. Me, but I don't get it. Anyway, this is where the Phillies name comes from. Brig mentioned they were originally known as the Philadelphia Quakers. This is very early years. 
Um, they eventually changed the name to the Philadelphians, mm-hmm. which somebody being a Philadelphian was commonly shortened to being Phillies or the Philadelphians are shortened to the Phillies. But here's an interesting one for you, Brig. Um, in the early 1940s, they wanted to change the moniker to the Blue Jays. They wore a blue really? jay patch on their uniforms for a few seasons, but everybody just kept calling them the Phillies. And then eventually it was like, all right, forget it. We're just there were the Phillies. So wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I had no idea. I didn't know that. That is all according to teamnameorigin.com. Um yeah, I didn't know that they were that there was a potential for them to have changed their name to the Blue Jays. So maybe that's part of where the Blue Jays name comes from to, for Toronto. Could be. I don't know. I do not know. We'll let you know when we get there. <laughs> we haven't already (laughs) anyway all right so baseball family we're going to put together the top four names that you cannot have a conversation about the phillies as an entire franchise without mentioning this is according to brad and i we do our research independently we do not share stats or opinions as we move forward and we do not ask each other for any advice on any of this we just go at it totally independently so sometimes we fight, and that's kind of fun. But usually we overlap, <laughs> and uh, we always overlap. And also that ends up with, and, uh, ends up getting a little bit physical as well. If you go back and watch yeah. the Dodgers, <laughs> yeah. that's my fault. For those of you wondering, I'm the physically aggressive one. <laughs> yes. and I'm still sorry, and I'm also not sorry. It was, and wonderful. also it's still hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <Anyway. laughs> Yeah, for those of you wondering, that is on the Dodgers Mount Rushmore video, and it is worth a watch. Okay, so Brad, why don't you go first and tell us who you think, and this is in no particular order, by the way. Right. We're we're not ranking them. We're just including the four we think you have to include. So, Mm -hmm. Brad, why don't you go first? Okay, this first guy, get into my John Gruden voice. This guy. This. uh, He is a Hall of Famer. Obvi. Mm -mm. Three-time MVP. I feel like that's a lot in baseball. Getting three MVPs? Yeah. Um, 12-time All-Star, 10-time Gold Glover, six-time Silver Slugger. He was on the 1980 World Series team, and he was the MVP of that World Series. Do you know who this is yet, Brig? Of course. Of course you do. This is one Mike Schmidt. Career war 106.8. Eight 548 career home runs, 268 batting average, career batting average, which is interesting because that was like really low back then. But mm-hmm. at the same time, though, you look at, um, you look, I gotta get, I gotta get his OPS because he had two seasons where he was over a thousand for his OPS, led the league OPS total five times with a career OPS of 908. That's pretty dang good. It's pretty good who good. you are. Yeah, it's pretty no. good. That's pretty um, good. <laughs> he's one of those guys where, like, I remember. So I, I grew up. The Phillies to me were like the '93 Phillies, right? Like yeah. the early '90s yeah, yeah. Phillies with like Cruck, um, yeah, Dalton, exactly. Dykstra, Mitch Williams. I'll never forget Mitch Williams, um, Schilling. Those guys. But then when I learned about the '80s, like the 1980 Phillies who won the World Series and learned about Mike Schmidt, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that dude was legit. Like I, yeah. I often discount guys before the 90s saying that I don't think they could play in today's game, but I feel like Schmidt could. Oh, yeah. I, do, I totally agree. I he could hang and he would do really well in today's game. But uh, being part of the first Phillies World Series team, being the best player on that team and being the best player for several years on that team and, and having his place in Phillies history, I think he's a super duh, uh, nominee for the Mount Rushmore for the Phillies. He's the first one on my list as well. Super duh. For all the reasons you said. And one of my very favorite things to look into is how long did they play with the club? And he spent his entire 18 years as a Philly. Mm-hmm. And those are, there were some lean years, right? So, Right. A lot of them. I think that a lot of them were lean. And he was the uh, kind of the consistent one, right? One of the most consistent guys on the club the entire time. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, he's my super duh. Gotta include him no matter what. Well, and I think one thing, one more thing that you need to give him credit for is that he played in 100 games 
in every season except for his first and his last. Whoa. To never have played less than 100 games is a really big deal. And I know it's different in the 70s and 80s than it is now because guys get Sunday off or whatever, you know. Yeah, right. It's different. But even then, though, like to play 108 games 12 years into his career because, you know, obviously there was an injury somewhere in in there that sidelined him. And I think that I think that's a big deal for a guy to be healthy that long and still go out there and play every single day, especially given the training and care that they had back then. Like we've seen videos of John Cruck talking about going to the training room. Like, yeah, we just drink beers, smoke heaters. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Fire down a Twinkie. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Shotgun and Twinkies before my fourth at bat in the game. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, It wasn't, it wasn't elite care like it is now. No, definitely. No. Okay. Go ahead. Break with your next guy. All right, I'm going to move on to a, this guy's a pitcher. He's a pitcher. He's also in the Cooperstown Hall of Fame. He won the Cy Young Award four times. He also won the Triple Crown as a pitcher. He's a 10-time All-Star, two times uh, World Series appearance, gold glove, and he also had an ERA title. He spent 15 years as a Philly, though he did bounce around a little bit, but he spent 15 years as a Philly. And uh, his career war, 90.2. Career ERA, 3.22. And that was across 741 games. He started 709 of of them. Um, this is Steve Carlton. So he is not on mine. He came really close, but he is Ooh, not. Nice. I feel like I could only include one pitcher on mine. He was not my guy. Interesting. Solid pick, though. I feel like he absolutely belongs. So I, yeah. I can put him over anyway. Go ahead, Briggs. Sorry. No, no, no. That's okay. That's that's he would be my. I, I think he would be my my runner up. Okay. That that means that your your runner up is probably going to be, or my runner up is probably going to be on your list. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we'll get there. That, that usually we'll happens. There. All right. I dropped my pen. You go while I pick this up. Okay. So my <laughs> next it. guy. Um, I was good. Mm, I was, I'm going to go. I'm going to save him for later. I'm going to go with this next guy instead. This guy's a six time all-star. He was on the 2008 world series team he has a career war of 64.5 four times silver slugger. Um, I don't hear he, I don't hear Phillies fans. And by that, I mean the two that I know <laughs> Jason and Tori. Excellent. Talk yes. about, that 2008 World Series team, I never hear him talk about them, that team, without mentioning this guy, or even really the Phillies without mentioning Chase Utley. Yeah, right, right. And so he spent he spent 13 years in Philly, his absolutely his prime in Philly, right? Yeah, uh, he spent his last few years in in LA, his four years as a Dodger, but he's a Philly. He is absolutely 100 a Philadelphia Philly. Yeah, not a Hall of Famer. But I feel like part of that is because his impact on the team was not, I don't know, like you felt it more as a, as a Phillies fan probably. And I think that they, the team felt it more than what the national audience would have felt. Right. I think is, I think is a big part of it. Um, but I mean, he had solid career in 2006 he led the league and run scored with 131. Um, he finished his career with uh, um, a 275 batting average. With, like I said, with Schmidt was like a little bit low for when he played, but he was yeah. starting to get into the beginning. Like I think toward the end of his career, starting to get into the beginning of the launch era or launch angle era, where right. batting averages are dropping. But he finished with the 823 OPS, which I think is respectable. It is. So, but overall, like I said, I think that his his impact was felt mostly within the organization, and that's what carried that team to the 2008 World Series. And to me, that is enormous. Yeah. So, as predicted, he's my runner-up. <laughs> For all the reasons you said, I just all the ho-humming you did about his statistics were, is the reason I could not justify including right. him. No, I get that, just, too. It's just, it's hard to quantify X factor 
even though I do also place a great deal of importance on X Factor and Clubhouse presence and that is recognizable, so, even when it's unrecognizable. So I understand that it is. Yeah. So I, I don't know that, but yeah, solid pick. I totally agree. And it was really hard not to include him because I, I hear his name constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we've, we've both done two now. Let's go ahead. Let's take a quick break. When we get back, we have two left each, each. to go through. Welcome back, baseball family. We are here. We're going to wrap up our Phillies Mount Rushmore. We each have two selections left. I let off last segment. So, Brig, take it away with your next nominee. All right. Um, I'm going to do the thing I always do, and I'll explain it in a minute. But first, let me tell you about this, this ball player, okay? In the Hall of Fame at Cooperstown, three triple crown, five-time ERA title. Yeah, I have another pitcher, Brad. And he's really good. Okay. Career war 119.3. Career ERA 2.56. That's outstanding. Yeah. <laughs> 696 games, 600 starts, 32 saves. Figure that out. Spent. <laughs> 20 years playing Major League Baseball and only eight of them in Philadelphia. But his impact in Philadelphia was astronomical, including MVP voting, etc. Is it Roy Halladay? It's not. Okay. Go ahead. Who is it's it? It's not. I couldn't justify Roy Halladay. I know. I wanted to, but I couldn't. I wanted to, but I couldn't either. This guy's name officially is grover though he goes often by pete it's pete alexander ah okay he started playing in philadelphia in 1911 when he was 24 nice this is what i do though i'm a purist i gotta go all the way back and find the guy who maybe helped craft the franchise a little bit and this guy feels like one of those puzzle pieces that started it all and with those statistics, you can't tell me that a deep dive analysis of the Phillies team is going to be able to exclude him. Sorry. You're probably right. You can't You're do probably it. probably right. Yeah. Even though I know, and I get a lot of crap about this when I do it, that that nobody knows these players' names. Nobody. Tungsten Armour Houlihan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I told the Braves when, I, when we did the Braves one, I put Warren Spann on my list, and I got so many comments. I live in Braves country about nobody knowing who that is, and I'm like, "Well, that's your problem." Because <laughs> let me just learn about your team. You. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> did seven minutes said. of research. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go look up Pete Alexander Grover Pete Alexander because he is a terrific ball player, and I know there's dead ball arguments uh, versus live ball. I got it, but. I just can't argue with the pitching. You just can't. I dig it. I like it. That's a good one. That's solid. Thank you. Um, so I have, I, I, do you mind if I move on to the next one? Is that okay? I, yeah. w- I wish you would actually. I'm very excited. Okay. Right. Very excited. Okay. Next guy is a, actually a pitcher. Four-time all-star. Um, NLCS MVP, World Series MVP of the 2008 World Series. I know. I know I'm not going back very far, but I feel like a world, a, a franchise that has so few World Series, I think that they're going to recognize the guys who had significant roles on those teams more than anybody. And so that's that was one of the reasons I went with this guy. Um, and I remember that 2008 team being like, that dude is the reason. Without him, it's not happening which is why he was the NLCS MVP, World Series MVP, none other than Colbert Michael Hamels. Yes. I mm-hmm. I was, I've never been a Phillies fan. I've never been anybody who's cheered for the Phillies, but I always cheered for Cole Hamels when he was a Philly because I loved watching him pitch. Totally amazing. Loved it. I agree. Wasn't the same in Texas. Wasn't the same no. right after that, right? But man, as a Philly, the dude was dominant. And then you had Halliday and Cliff Lee with him later. I, I called those Lee. guys the Holy Trinity. I was like, man, yeah. there's no stopping that team. And sure enough, no. you know, there was. But 
it they felt unstoppable with the three of them and Cole Hamels anchoring that that trio. It was amazing. It was unreal. Yeah. So for me, mostly it comes down to remembering the role that Cole Hamels played on that World Series team and that team and like as with the pitching staff for those several years because he was a Philly for ten years, but his yeah. peak was 08 to like 2012 right yeah 07 right. 2012 because he was a he was a all-star in 07 08 was a world series year and then 2012 he was an all-star and then he wasn't an all-star again until 2016 but no i i felt like with like like i said the way he led that pitching staff and led that team in the world series you've gotta you've gotta put him on there so i agree that's just i love that no, I, I don't oh, cool. blame you at all. All right, my last pick. You ready? Yeah. I have a feeling it's going to be the last... same guy. You think so? Just a hunch. Just a hunch. You want to play rock, paper, scissors? <laughs> no, you go, you go ahead. You go ahead. I don't all know right. that it will, but I have a hunch. Okay. My guy was an MVP, three-time All-Star, um, also part of the 2008 World Series crew, because I need to give a nod there, right? So here we go. All right. Yeah. Silver Slugger Award, NLCS MVP, Major League Player of the Year, Home Run Derby Champion, and Rookie of the Year. He's a first baseman. It's Ryan <laughs> Howard. Ryan Howard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not this way. Yeah. yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> That's who I'm going with, Ryan Howard. I think okay. he injected the right amount of juice into that clubhouse at just the right time that helps set up the 2008 World Series. Comes in, wins Rookie of the Year. He uh, makes it to the All-Star team in 2006 and starts to build up, the lays the groundwork for the 2008 World Series. His his highs were really, really, really high. Like, for really sure. high. Yeah, astronomically yeah. high. Man, his lows, lows were they 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 were abysmal. Death Valley but, low. <laughs> yeah, but but because of his ability to support the team during the 2008 run and the the years leading up to that, I gotta give it to Ryan Howard. I just have to. Okay. And I can't pick another pitcher. <laughs> I, was, I can't let myself. That's the problem. <laughs> can't. Yeah, I get that. Okay, so I have to pick. This another 2008 World Series guy, okay. um, but it's not who you think. Mm. He is the winningest manager in the history of the Phillies. I was gonna. I had the same thought. Yeah, Charlie Manuel, and this is the thing that's really interesting is that like I know Danny Ozarks has the highest winning percentage among managers, but he only managed yep. the team for seven. I think it was seven and a half years. Charlie Manuel was there for eight and a half years, and man, most there was more, way more good than bad during those years. When it got bad, it got bad there at the end. I understand, I get it. He was sure, you know, it, that's that's the life of a manager. You're hired to get fired. I get it. That's how it works. But man, that's right. the Charlie Manuel years were formidable because, like, think about this: you've got in 08, you've got the World Series champs. In 09, you've got an NL pennant. But then yeah. you've also got, uh, dang it, where'd it go? It won't let me get to it. But anyway, uh, you've got you've got solid playoff runs in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got you've got lost the NLDS in 07, which granted was the first round back then. But then you had another appearance in the NLCS in 2010, and then um, a battle in the NLDS in 2011. That's five years in a row where you're making the playoffs. That doesn't yeah. happen of the eight. every team. Yeah. No, it's yeah, true. it doesn't happen. It's tough to get into the playoffs, especially then where there was only eight teams out of 30 getting in. It's a big deal. Yeah. And I think that I Charlie agree. Manuel deserves it because of the success that he he brought to that team and bringing them, them, bringing them their second World Series is a really big deal. Just having been around for that long oh. and only having two World Series titles means a whole lot. Yep. So that's why I, I agree. put Charlie Manuel on there. So. I had the same thought. I I grappled with that same thing. Did you? And honestly, there's yeah. so much give and take on these, right? For 141 years of baseball history, uh, any of these names could get taken off. Any of them could get added. I think mm-hmm. Schmidt is the only one that is an absolute must-have no-brainer. Right. 
Yes, I agree. Other than yeah. that. So in we do this again in 10 years. Who on this current team? Is there anybody on this current team yes. that you would put on there? Yes, that's what I was gonna. I was hoping we were gonna get there. Let me just uh, do you have one? Um, not yet. Give me a couple okay. more years and I might have some. Why? Why can't you do it now? <laughs> I've got it. I want to see another like postseason Bryce Harper before I put him on there. Oh, it's I, it's not Bryce you know? Harper for me. Then that's it. That's who, who would it be for you? It would be Real Muto. Mmm, that's solid. Yeah, it would be JT Realmuto. And I do yeah. need more time. You're absolutely right. Like, I need another five to... Because at this point, he so. spent more time in Miami than he has in Philly still, right? Exactly. Well, it's five and five as of... If okay. you count this season, it's five and five. Okay. But I, I just think you cannot... You cannot have the current Phillies without JT Realmuto. You just can't. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think he is the better option. Yeah, like they say, like Bryce Harper says all the time, or at least he has for a few years, said that they call him QB1, and there's a reason for that. Exactly. You know, which I think is a really big compliment. <laughs> yeah, from a guy who's, yeah, Brother Harper, yeah, when he compliments you, it you probably earned it three times over. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, I would Absolutely. put JT. He for has sure. career, thir- career war is 31.8 right now, okay? it's <laughs> It's just going to get better. He's just going to get better the end. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. That's a solid pick. Yeah, I think that is the guy who would go on. I think you're right. I always forget about him for some reason, which is weird because I love him to death and I'm a, yeah. as a catcher. You'd think that he'd be like my guy, but yeah, you think so. Know. Anyway. Anyway, but baseball, baseball family, family, let us know what you think. Oh, go ahead, Brad. You cut me off, Brad. <laughs> probably because my internet's lagging a little bit but baseball family check it out if you dig what we're doing here you can jump on patreon that's one of the ways you can support us we have a lot of tiers of support with a lot of different perks and that is really exciting go jump on the patreon and figure it out and i cut that short because what we actually need from you right now is a different show of support jump on youtube and go push the subscribe button and hit the bell for notifications because that is where we are going to be most present, most available for you, and it helps us the most. So if you'll do that for us, that would be a huge, huge deal. That's the best way to support us right this minute. Absolutely. You're spot on, Brig, for sure. And if you would like another way to support us while supporting your mouth, hop on schnookseatery.com. Use code BTPOD at checkout to save 10% on your order and support the show. You don't spend anything extra. You just You actually save money and get the best seeds ever while supporting the Baseball Together podcast. With that, Baseball family, thank you so much for joining us for the Phillies Mount Rushmore. We will catch you next week. Mm -hmm.